It's a special privilege for me to introduce our guest speaker. As we said earlier, INCEDA has positioned this annual meeting to be a look ahead for the tech sector, and we're fortunate to have back our annual presenter, Michael Smith. He's a research vice president with Gartner. Gartner's the world's leading IT research and advisory firm, and Michael is a top analyst with the group. Michael's complete bio is in your program, and those of you who attended previous annual meetings know that he has both an engaging presentation style and the content to match. Please join me in welcoming our keynote speaker on the Outlook for IT, Michael Smith. Good afternoon. <laughs> Thank you. Well, for those of you who haven't already turned around, um, I want you to be comfortable. And I love talking to people when they're facing me. So uh, take your time and kind of switch your chairs and get comfortable uh, so that we can all enjoy the, uh, the outlook for uh, 2012. Uh, thank you. Um, technology is always changing and discovering how to use technology to drive productivity improvements and open up other types of business opportunities is an endless pursuit. So those of us in technology, which I think is just about everybody here, you know, are usually heads down, you know, immersed in ways of finding out how to use technology to improve value in our organizations. And that's why I really like this event, because it's the one time each year that I get to take a pause from all of that and kind of lift my head up a little bit and take a look back on the year that just finished and, more importantly, look out for the next year to three years and see where things are going. And as I did that this year and I looked at the uh, materials, I realized that uh, we have a lot to be thankful for in technology. Um, as we'll see here today, as we go through the numbers, um, I went back and looked at my first keynote here three years ago, and uh, we had just come off one of the worst years of year-over-year -year growth in IT technology spending. And from that point to today, we've come a long way. The rate of growth in technology, and we'll go through the different areas, has far exceeded GDP growth uh, in the United States. So I think you know, we've got a lot to be thankful for. And so let me share some of, this, uh, some of these results with you. And now the other piece of technology. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Thank you. So the agenda, the topics that I'd like to, co to go over is to look back at 2011 um, at the IT spending. Last year at this time, I sat here or stood here and presented the uh, forecast for 2011. And I'd like to look back and see just how good we did. The reason is I used to have a boss that uh, would say to me, the, the CFO would say, um, uh, when I prepared my budget the first time, he said, look, I don't care if you estimate high or low, but just be consistent. Because over time, I'll get to know, you know uh, what the real number is. So I'm going to share with you our results so you can adjust uh, the forecast for 2012. Um, the 2012 spending forecast, and we're going to look at total spending and enterprise spending, the spending that uh, organizations, both public and private sector, uh, are intending to spend this year. 
Next, we'll talk about uh, management of IT uh, in uh, enterprises, again, both public and private sector, and what are some of the new trends, management techniques for managing IT. Then we're going to touch on a, a popular topic. Each year, Gartner uh, surveys uh, CEOs and CIOs, and we're going to share uh, the top 10 issues for both these groups, see how well they're aligned and uh, how they complement one another. And then finally, uh, my favorite topic is emerging technologies. This is where hopefully we'll have some fun and look at some of the new technologies that are coming out. So let's start with looking back at 2011 and uh, how well we forecasted uh, overall spending. What you see on the left side of this chart are uh, the spending trends. These are growth rates. These aren't absolute dollar spend, but growth rates in uh, categories like hardware, software, services, and telecommunications. The orange line is the overall line, and you can see the kind of trend there. Big dip in uh, 2009, and I think a nice recovery you know, since then, that lowercase v I talked about two years ago. Um, the, but I want to call your attention to the gold box. Uh, these are the numbers that we had forecasted last year uh, both for total spending worldwide on IT, uh, which was uh, $3.66 trillion uh, actual in 2011, um, and enterprise spending, that portion of total spending that's spent by uh, public and private sector organizations. That was $2.6 trillion, almost 70% of the total. The difference is consumer spending on IT. And last year, we forecasted a 5.1% increase uh, for total and 4.3% for enterprise. And you can see that the actual results exceeded our forecast. Um, and uh, this is true the second year in a row. I think last year when I presented the results, we also forecasted a little below the, uh, the actual results. So we are being consistent. Uh, <laughs> And we weren't trying to do this. We're actually trying to get it as accurately as we possibly can. But these were the results. So let's take a look at, with that in mind, uh, our forecast for 2012. This is the same chart extended out through 2015. You can see the kind of growth rates there for the different groups. The one that kind of zigzags is the uh, hardware uh, uh, expenses or hardware spend. And the reason for that is hardware tends to be a little bit more cyclical than the others. When there's a, uh, a cutback, and you can see the biggest dip was in hardware spending, it tends to be capitalized, and those are the first projects to get cut during a recession. But then when you come back, there's this pent-up demand that kind of has a rippling effect for a few years, and that's what you're seeing there. Um, but if we look at the yellow, the yellow box, these, this is the forecast for 2012. You can see the actual results there. These are the growth rates, the 6.9% for total spending and 5.9% for enterprise spending. We're um, forecasting uh, good growth, uh, exceeding uh, GDP. I think I, I heard this morning that the fourth quarter in the United States, GDP growth was 2.8%, uh, much better than the third quarter. Uh, so these numbers, these growth rates are you know, above what the forecast is for overall GDP. And you can see the difference there. 
A little bit more detail. Uh, Brooks told me that many of you sell into uh, the enterprise and, and consumer uh, markets for IT. So I wanted to share some of the detail with you to help you with your, your planning. Uh, and by the way, this presentation is available uh, from Michelle, I believe. So if you're interested, you don't have to take notes. You can actually get copies of these slides. But um, what this uh, chart shows, or the slide shows, is hardware, software, IT services, telecommunications, and then all IT. And it shows the last two years, the actual results. First line is the, the dollars that were spent. Below that is the growth rate. And you can see the, uh, the numbers for uh, 2012. A pretty good number uh, growth rates for both hardware and software. Um, when we hear a lot about software as a service and cloud, I just wanted you to know we have not yet broken those out. The cloud uh, services or cloud uh, spending is under hardware, and the software as a service is under software currently. The reason is there's still about 10% of the total in those two categories, but they're growing. Both of those categories, software as a service and cloud, are growing at 20% rates. So probably next year, we're going to show those as separate categories. This is the most detailed um, and the last chart that I'd like to share with you on the spending statistics. Um, and this one shows for enterprise spending. This is spending into corporations, public and private sector. Uh, it shows by industry going down the, uh, that green column there. Um, to the left of that is the absolute uh, dollar uh, size or dollar val uh, market size of those industries, and then the growth rate. And then to the, to the right is the uh, extended forecast through 2015. And uh, I've color-coded in red those industries that are going to grow at more than 5%, 5% or more. And uh, what's interesting is that healthcare, for those of you who are, uh, serve that market, is forecasted to grow above 5% for the, through 2013. And then we see a return of banking and financial services picking up uh, in 2014, back above that 5% growth rate again. Um, the other uh, point to note here is that uh, the government sector, top from the uh, second from the top, you know, you see a pretty uh, substantial decline. I was talking to Jerry over the break, and there's a lot of challenges in uh, both uh, federal and state and local governments. So there's still growth, but uh, certainly not near the average. So these are hopefully useful statistics, you know, in terms of your, your planning and the overall message, though, is that the current uh, five-year current average growth rate of 4.2% still quite healthy compared to overall economic growth. And at the end, we'll hopefully we'll have some more questions if you want to explore any of these statistics. So with that, let's kind of switch gears and talk about, you know, what does this all mean? How do we apply some of these trends? You know, what are the management uh, issues associated with them? And I'll, I'd like to apply this to the enterprise spend. Um, each year, Gartner surveys or has a joint survey with FEI, Financial Executives International. It's the largest association of financial professionals in the world. 
and uh, we conduct a survey and ask them a series of questions. Uh, this year, we asked them, what do they want to get out of their IT organization? These financial executives that work in both public and private sector organizations. And the top issue was to achieve benefits from IT investments. Um, this was uh, rated on a scale from one to seven. Uh, CFOs and financial types usually never give out a seven on anything. You know, so uh, 5.3 is a uh, very high score. And that was the top score. And what this meant, just a, a little insight on benefits from IT, uh, this, was a, this is a discipline. We call it benefits realization. Uh, what benefits realization is, is a discipline where when a project is finished, to actually go out and audit you know, the, the actual benefits that, that occurred. Uh, so it's not something that's done before the project is implemented. It's done after to see what the actual benefits were that were achieved. Um, when we got these results, several of the analysts at Gartner, myself included, were very interested in this. So we began to kind of probe a little bit more deeply into what companies were doing around benefits realization. And what we found was, was really interesting. Um, first, very few companies are actually doing this. You know, less than 20% of companies actually uh, look at their post-project implementation, you know, the benefits that were, were achieved. And when we probed into that, you know, why do so few uh, companies do this? What we found was um, that, um, you know, companies viewed, first of all, it's difficult to do. Um, and even though they agreed with the idea, it was kind of like clean air and, you know, eating healthy foods, you know, they didn't really feel it was a priority. Uh, one of the CFOs actually summed it up kind of nicely for everybody. He said, you know, by the time a project is over, you know, there's really nothing you can do about it. So why don't you just move on and go to the next project? <laughs> so, uh, so that was the, uh, the attitude. And when we heard this so consistently, we thought, well, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be pushing this. You know, maybe there's really not any value to benefit realization. Um, but before we decided to do that, we said, well, let's, let's first check with the very few companies that actually do this. You know, let's see why is it they're doing it and, and how well are they, uh, what are the benefits that they get from that? Um, and so we looked at those few companies that did, and what we found uh, was significant. There were two things that separated them from everyone else. First, they viewed benefit realization as a process improvement initiative. They viewed it, and the process, the process that they were focusing on was the identification and implementation of new initiatives. And not just IT, but any type of initiative, like launching a new product, building a new uh, plant, uh, merger or an acquisition, any major initiative, they wanted to improve the process of doing that. Uh, and these are things that most companies do quite a lot, you know, identifying and implementing new initiatives. So they viewed it that way. And the second thing was that they actually implemented uh, benefit realization as a project, just like any other project. There was a business case and a project team, and they implemented it. Those were the two things that distinguished that group. 
I want to share with you uh, some of the results that they have, because I think this is very significant to those of you who sell into uh, technology uh, or enterprise companies and those of you who manage technology. And I'm going to use sort of a, a typical example. Um, this is a company. Uh, this is a mid-size, mid-to-large-size company. Com- this comes from our IT key metrics database. Uh, let's say that has about uh, $5.4 million, a billion dollars in annual revenue. So mid-size, mid-to-large-size company. That company, on average, would spend about $184 million on IT each year. Um, that's about 3%, a little over 3%. Of that, our statistics show that about 30% of the 184 is spent on capital, IT capital. These are major projects. So this typical company spends about $46 million a year on capital projects. Now, most CFOs want to see a return on that money. So they want to see uh, a 20% return because these are considered SG&A projects. So they want to see an ROI. They just don't want to get break even. They want... And so when you apply a 20% return, that means the targeted benefits for the average company is about $55 million a year from the capital projects that they implement. Now, the research that we have done and others, like the Standish Group out of Connecticut, is that actual experience shows that only about 60% of the benefits of an initiative are realized And that's true of not just IT initiatives, but all business initiatives. New products, building a new plant, a merger, or an acquisition. We've looked at thousands of projects and gone back and worked with the companies, and the average is about 60% of those targeted benefits are actually achieved. The way we get that is that 40% meet their original goals, 40% struggle, they meet about half, and 20% of all initiatives are terminated before they, they're completed. When you extend out those weighted factors, it comes to 60%. When you apply that 60% benefits actually achieved, that means only $33 million of the $55 million is what most companies, the average company, actually gets leaving $22 million on the table. And this is why CFOs want to see an improvement in this area. So what are the companies who have implemented benefits realization, what do they get? Well, this is a common example from the, from the companies we looked at. Samsung in particular is one that I'll talk a little bit more about in a second. But they were able to improve the success rate of their projects by 10%. They took it from that 60% average to a 70% success rate after implementing the benefits realization. That's equal to $5 million a year. Going back to that targeted benefit of $55 million, that's $5 million. Now, what did it cost to do this? Did they have to go out and buy capital goods to implement benefits realization? Did they have to hire an army of consultants to do this? No. In the the companies that we observed, this was all done with internal management. So just good old-fashioned management to improve their benefits realization. 
And it, so we put an opportunity cost of that management time at about a million dollars. That shows an ROI of almost over 400%. This is why CFOs love this idea. So those of you who work in IT departments and want to talk and get friendly with your CFO, this is a great benefit, or excuse me, process improvement initiative. Uh, it doesn't cost a lot of money to implement, uh, and it has a fantastic return. So let me just spend a couple more minutes talking about how you can do this. First of all, it's identifying where the problem is. Why is it we only get 60% of the benefits? This kind of shows where the leakage or the uh, loss in targeted improvements comes from. 25% of the loss comes from the planning stage. So when you're doing your business case, when you're actually uh, describing why you want to do this initiative, not the project plan, but the business case, 25%, the vast majority, comes from that stage. 10% comes from the execution phase, where you're actually implementing the project. And then 5%, because there usually are loose, uh, there's loose expectations, 5% of the loss occurs during the actual post-implementation phase. So the, the, the key here is that planning is where you can make the greatest improvement in benefit realization. And so I'm just going to share this one slide with you and a tool that we'll make available through Michelle also that I really hope you consider. This is a, a process that we've developed at Gartner that we advise all of our clients to use in assessing any new major IT project. It also works for non-IT projects, uh, to other types of technical projects. It starts with organizing the stakeholders, three stakeholder groups, the people most affected, those are the business process owners, the IT enablers, the people who are going to implement, and the financial stewards, the people who oversee the business case process. Those are the three stakeholder groups. Get a representative from each one in the beginning uh, to work on the business case. The next step, and this is counterintuitive, is to identify the metrics by which you're going to assess the benefits. And these don't have to be accounting metrics. These can be business process metrics that are linked to accounting metrics. I'll talk about that in a second. But that's the next step. Too many times people jump from getting an idea to uh, shopping for a solution. They bypass steps two and three. Start with identifying what are the pain points and how are we going to measure it. That's the metrics. Baseline your current performance. Know your starting point. You can't do benefits realization unless you know what your current performance is. So often people jump into projects that are halfway done and then they say, oh, we got to figure out what the starting point was. By then it's too late. Uh, there's also a very powerful effect. Uh, it's called the Hawthorne effect when you actually identify the targeted benefits up front. You'll see people respond and focus on those benefits. So selecting the metrics, baselining your current performance, then you get into describing the solution. How does this solution, whether it's CRM or ERP or some other uh, social media application, how does this affect the business area that we're looking at, the metrics we're looking at. Then you negotiate the targeted improvements. Can we get a 3% improvement, 2% improvement? How can we improve this? You then convert those metrics to financial outcomes. This is why you have the financial people there. You know, if you improve things like client retention or on-time delivery, 
What does that translate to in terms of financial benefit? Then you do the total cost of ownership, and then you can calculate the hard currency ROI. The tool that I want to leave you with, for those of you who are interested, is a dictionary of metrics that can be used for this purpose. They extend, not replace, accounting metrics. It's uh, like a, uh, it truly is a dictionary. It has a table of contents and metrics that cover areas like uh, marketing, sales, product development, or customer service, procurement, operational efficiency, or human capital management, information technology itself, or finance and regulatory. There are metrics that measure the effectiveness of each of these areas that you can use to baseline your performance and talk about the targeted benefits of a new initiative. So we'll make that available to you. Oops, excuse me. So so just to sum up that part, it's a very important thing. There's very little effort or money that has to be spent to implement a benefits realization program. Um, It really um, is, is something that CFOs are looking for And um, it's an opportunity to be a real hero with your CFO uh, if you kind of take a look at this. So I strongly encourage you to do that. So switching gears again, let's talk about the CEO and the CIO and their top 10 issues. On the uh, left side here, you see this was a survey that Gartner does each year with CEOs and we list their top 10 business priorities. And again, we use a seven-point scale. One to seven, seven is the highest. So you can see that at the very top of this list is retaining and enhancing existing customers. Kind of a, uh, a, well, a very important issue. But then I found it interesting that number two was attracting and retaining skilled, talented workers. Um, And that actually was more important than attracting new customers to these CEOs. So CEOs are beginning to realize that the talent pool is very important, um, and it's a real priority for them. Next, we have attracting new customers, and then we get down into more of the business capabilities. I've kind of color-coded these. I thought that the the green-colored priorities were ones that had to do with people, The yellow ones were more business capabilities, like being more responsive, a more responsive organization. And then the reddish rose colored were more of a financial objective. The reason I did that was um, we also survey CIOs. And these were the top 10 technology issues for CIOs. And it starts right off with uh, media tablets, mobile devices, mobile applications, and context and social aware uh, solutions. And, uh, and then it gets into the Internet of Things. And let me describe what those are. The Internet of Things are all of the smart devices that we see proliferating. These are devices with sensors in them. They've been around a while, but sensors continue to get less and less expensive and more and more reliable. Uh, We're going to talk more about these in the emerging uh, trends or emerging technologies in just a second. Um, But this has opened up a whole new world, a whole new source of data and the ability to control manufacturing operations. So the Internet of Things, um, the application stores, enterprises are now creating uh, mobile applications for self-service employee internal, uh, what used to be client-server applications. 
Next generation analytics uh, and big data, those two are actually a byproduct of the Internet of Things. As more and more devices come online and are accessible, there's more and more data that we have that we can mine and use uh, to detect patterns and to influence buying decisions and, and overall business decisions. And then finally, the ever uh, in Moore's Law, the increasing uh, capacity of uh, uh, information technology for uh, less and less uh, of price. So the, uh, the efficiencies that IT can, can have in terms of in-memory computing, flash computing, uh, dropping, so more and more is done in-memory now than on disk, which speeds up processing, uh, extreme low energy servers, and cloud computing. So I thought, you know, when you lay these out and you look at them, there's quite a lot of, uh, I think, alignment, which didn't always happen in the past. There's quite a lot of, uh, you know, consistency between the things that the CEO is interested in, those human uh, capital issues, retaining customers, attracting talented workers, and the technologies that are designed to do that. One of the things, getting back to that attracting and retaining skilled workers, is a new area of software called uh, social recruitment systems or social recruitment software. These are front ends to um, applicant tracking systems that actually handle all the communications of a company through uh, social media like Twitter and and Facebook where you can actually um, communicate, you can post vacancies, you can uh, communicate with clients, excuse me, candidates, and then eventually uh, make offers and bring them on board. So this is a real hot area, and it's a way of using technology to address those business needs. The point I want to make, too, on this is that CEOs really are starting to get how to use technology to drive business improvement. Um, I think that's the main reason why you see enterprise spending uh, uh, faster, growing faster than overall GDP. CEOs really do understand this stuff. So as a CIO or someone who's uh, developing or selling solutions, you know, there's a receptive audience here if you're able to focus on, on those business needs. So that gets us to the uh, fun part of uh, the, uh, the outlook for uh, IT, and that is uh, emerging technologies. Um, I wanted to share some of those with you. Um, I mentioned earlier a little bit about the smart devices, the uh, sensors that are available, and, uh, and, uh, and you see an example here, tires. You know, there are sensors now. Uh, they've been around a while, but, you know, they can do things like detect tire pressure, but other types of things, you know, wear the tire, you know, uh, tread life and so on. And uh, this information then becomes available not only to the owner of the vehicle, but also to the manufacturers during uh, maintenance uh, steps and so on. Other things are things like image recognition. Uh, Smart devices have the ability to recognize objects. So you can point a a smart uh, phone at a uh, a label of a a product or uh, an object, and it actually will initiate a search so by aiming it at a supermarket or in a grocery store, you can get uh, information about a product, uh, the contents of the product, the uh, other issues, and also pricing. Um, and by doing that, the providers of these products can also learn about you, about where you are and what some of the issues are. 
All of this helps to create more context-aware uh, messaging and decision-making. It really uh, improves that. The other uh, new uh, area is this uh, near-field communication. Uh, you'll hear about this at the Olympics. There are going to be some tests done. What this is is actually a smartphone that can actually uh, pay for uh, services that you might need, like uh, entry into a venue. Or even they're thinking of using this for public transportation, you know, getting on a bus or, or a train. You actually just aim your cell phone at a, a device within 10 centimeters, and it can actually see who you are and, uh, you know, make the payment, the transaction that way. And you can see the result right on your cell phone. So I think those are pretty interesting new technologies. There are some social implications to this, you know, that um, a lot more situational decision-making and more transparency. I think we give up a little bit of our privacy in doing this, but uh, the added convenience, especially to the younger generation, overwhelms that. They're willing to give up a certain amount of privacy to get these added, uh, this added uh, functionality. And as far as business opportunities... Uh, for companies that are primarily tangible good manufacturers, like Michelin, you know, a tire company, it opens up a whole new way of uh, developing services to go along with those tangible products. So in addition to offering, you know, uh, a product, you can offer services like preventative maintenance or uh, other types of things uh, for clients. Again, just another way of, as the technology continues to progress, finding ways of uh, improving productivity or opening up new uh, business opportunities. And uh, finally, I'd like to uh, talk about uh, a, a real fun thing. Uh, I mentioned, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, about 3D uh, printers. Uh, these are technologies now that are available less than $10,000. Uh, and 3D printers, for those of you who were not here two years ago, uh, that's what's shown in the upper left here, is a device where you actually put an object, like a cup or a, uh, a part of some sort, into this chamber, and the, uh, the printer will actually scan it and get a three-dimensional read of that, of that uh, shape. And then they transmit that over anywhere in the world uh, to another location as a similar device, and it will build using a resin and a, uh, a laser uh, a device that heats the resin so that it, it dries in the exact same shape and dimension of what was scanned on the other end. Uh, I think this is really cool. It's sort of like the beginning of, remember Star Wars, where beam me up, Scotty? Um, but uh, it's only, don't put yourself in there, or don't put your cat in there either. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, but those are, are still, po are, you know, are growing in popularity. The one that we've actually experimented with at Gartner that uh, was really cool is this uh, is robotic device. It's, it stands about three feet high. It has wheels. It has a camera, speakers, and a, a screen. Um, and the person at a remote location sitting in front of a camera can actually control this thing, can move it around uh, a room like this, for example. And they can actually take part in conversation. They can hear what's going on in the room. They can talk so people can hear them. Um, and they can move. More importantly, they can move. So this is a whole different dimension to what was uh, video conferencing. 
It's video conferencing, for those of you who've seen that, you know, you kind of sit in the corner there, you know, you're looking out, and you're kind of two-dimensional. Uh, you're never really a full participant in a, uh, a meeting. But when we experimented with this, we actually did it at our fall symposium, and we had one of our analysts who wasn't able to get to the U.S. He was over in the U.K. He actually was in a room just similar to this and was actually able to wheel this thing around and actually answer questions, look around. And you, would, you couldn't believe the, uh, the dynamic because when you're, you're seeing this thing move around and look at you, it's like, you know, it was definitely felt like he was part of the room. Um, and so some of the opportunities for this are remote consultations, Security. Think of, uh, you know, people sitting in a central location. Uh, instead of having a security guard, just put one of these things in, have them walk around, uh, and uh, other types of applications. So these are some new uh, interesting things. So uh, with that, um, that's the outlook for uh, IT in uh, 2012 and looking out the next few years. Uh, the message is that... Um, We've got a great opportunity, I think. Um, oh, let me share some of these thoughts with you. Actually, I had written them down. <laughs> uh, information technology will continue to be the biggest source of productivity improvement for the foreseeable future. Last year, I showed a chart on overall productivity. IT accounts for 70% of annual productivity growth in the United States, and that's forecasted to continue. Um, benefit realization, what I mentioned a minute ago, is a management initiative that CFOs love. So if any of you are concerned or like to become friends with the CFO, learn about benefits realization. CEOs are looking for new ideas, and the best place to find those is in the application of information technology. Some of these new mobile applications and some of the emerging technologies that I mentioned. Great opportunities there. And then change and opportunity is all around us. Uh, sometimes it can be exhausting, but it's all around us. And uh, luck, you know, we all talk about being lucky, is uh, luck is, when, um, is what happens when um, opportunity meets preparation, or preparation meets opportunity. Be prepared. Know, learn a little bit about some of these technologies. The next time you're sitting in a business meeting uh, and somebody says, boy, I wish we could do something, it may actually just surface, and uh, you can apply that technology to that solution. So um, be aware of some of these new technologies. They're great opportunities. So with that, um, I'd like to turn it back over. Thank you.